Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Bo Thompson, Jim Zoki, Beth Troutman is off today, so... We don't have Beth's song of the day, but in lieu of that, we'll start with this. And the Eagles out of timeouts, and the Chiefs will try to go up with a 27-yard field goal by Harrison Buckner. Winchester, the snap. The hold by Townsend. The kick is away, and good! 27-yard field goal to take the lead with eight seconds remaining in Super Bowl 57. 38-35. All right, Hertz will be in the gun. Chiefs have got the lead on the field goal. 36-yard line of Philly. Shotgun snap to Hertz. Dropping back. Only one person rushing. Hertz looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass. It lands at the 20. No one is there. Zeros on the clock. It's over. It's over. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal. Kevin Harlan on Westwood One last night. Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer, tweeting, uh, really, there are former Panthers all over this ending. Former Panther kicker Harrison Butker uh, with the win there. Former Panther James Bradbury with the game-deciding penalty to lose it. And, of course, former Panther Greg Olson, who uh, was on the call for Fox last night. Bo Thompson here and Jim Zoki there, WBT Sports Director. Uh, the Chiefs win again, but uh, this one was certainly not without controversy. Yes, <laughs> and by the letter of the law, it was a uh, a grab, a hold on uh, former Panther James Bradbury that set up the potential for Kansas City to essentially run the clock out, kick the game-winning field goal. I do contend there are there's situational awareness of certain calls. That call gets not called a lot during the NFL, and it wasn't like an egregious. I, I know there's not supposed to be degrees of penalty. It's either a penalty or it's not. So by, by the letter of the law, the referees did the right thing. But they ruined the ending of what was a great Super Bowl by calling that because it took away the chance for Philadelphia to have their chance to get the ball at the end of the game. I'm not saying you should slant one team or another if it was – but to me it's like it wasn't enough of a penalty that it changed the outcome of that play. It would have been overthrown, I think, uh, as far as the throw itself goes. But uh, it is what it is. And James Bradbury, to his credit, stood up there afterwards and said it was a hold and didn't make any excuses for it. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned Greg Olson uh, on the call with uh, Kevin Burkhart for Fox. Uh, here's what they said as the play happened on Fox. Holmes, pressure, lofting one, end zone incomplete. Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't catch up. There's a flag at the 10. Hang on, there's a penalty. Prior to the pass, holding number 24, defense, five-yard penalty, automatic, first down. Yeah, that's worst-case scenario. You'll see James Bradbury. They're going to say he grabs him. He's got his left hand on his back. I don't know. Mike, listen, I think on this stage, I, I think you let him play. Obviously, Mahomes thought he saw it. I think, I don't know, I think you let him play, finish this thing out. 
I don't love that call, Mike. I mean, I think you got to see the whole thing. It seemed to me at the initial break, he grabbed the back of the jersey and pulled it. If we see that, I think that is a hold. So the call gets made, and uh, Olsen, uh, you know, basically saying, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, Jim, I mean, it, it, by the letter of the law, uh, technically, yes. But in that scenario with those stakes, it certainly was kind of a thud of an ending to what mm-hmm. could have been, you know, what people would say is one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. I mean, tied uh, with that amount of time to go, maybe maybe you get overtime. Who knows? And again, I'm not saying it was a penalty. It's like I'm arguing with myself. It was a penalty. <laughs> yes, it, legally, it's a penalty. That's that they got to do their jobs and so forth. But uh, again, there were. There's just kind of this kind of human element that comes with officiating as well, that the game is on the line. And to Greg's words, you let them play a little bit. You don't let them be agreed. Like years ago, remember Seattle would just mug the receivers, and they were just getting away with it. They had to change the rule and actually tighten the rule because Seattle was uh, so blatant in in that rule. Uh, But in this case, I just felt it was such a minor infraction of that rule. And with the outcome hanging in the balance, I just think as a human being and a referee there, again, that – that play is not called a lot during the game. Like we say, there's always holding on every play as far as what happens with offensive line play, things like that. So you can always make the case if we had a camera on um, all 22 individually, you probably would have seen some other penalties. That Maybe there, maybe there was a penalty on Kansas City holding somebody uh, on that play as well, but it just doesn't get called. So it's just uh, it's the way it went out. And, again, no excuses. And Kansas City deserved to win. They've made a great comeback. And, uh, by the way, going back to last week, we all made our predictions on Friday. Bo picked <laughs> Kansas City. Uh, but I'm going to give. I texted John Hancock after the game. I gave him kudos because John's wording uh, was, "But if Patrick Mahomes has the ball, one more time in the game." And so I texted John and said, "You got it, man. That's exactly what happened." Well, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Uh, this was the MVP after the game. Um, it was a crazy, it was a crazy year, but uh, we ended up on top, man. You can't, you can't ask for any more from those guys. You had the scramble play. I'm wondering how much was your ankle hurting tonight? How much was it hurting on that? I mean, it felt great until I, I, I kind of rolled it a little bit. Um, I, I thought I felt really good, and then that happened, and I had a, a lot of soreness going through into halftime and was able to move it around and kind of get taped up a little bit and, and go out there in that second half. And um, it didn't feel good, but I was going to leave it all out there, and uh, I, I'm glad it was enough for the win. Well, uh, when he went down, the look on his face, and then he went to the bench and he put his head on the, on the shoulder of the coach now, I, I was thinking, man, he may not come back. We had a house party. We had everybody looked at each other and goes, that's it. Yeah. I mean, the, the grimace on his face, he almost like it was almost like taking his helmet off like he was going to slam it down, but he was in such pain. You thought he gave it all he had, that high ankle sprain. Sam Darnold didn't play till November. <laughs> you remember he got hurt in the last preseason game? And, again, it was partially because, you know, the other quarterbacks were playing. I mean, he literally is typically a six-week injury. And for him to be playing in the divisional round is when that occurred, to play a week later in the conference championship game, to still be out there, obviously hobbled by it. was uh, amazing for him to be able to do that. All right, when we come back, uh, I've got some of the uh, commercials from last night. For me, uh, I really didn't pay attention after one particular one. <laughs> and I knew it was coming to a degree, but I, my mind was blown by it so much that I was like, oh, there are other commercials? What? Um, but we have a lot to talk about. And, and later in the show, uh, this is tradition now, our friend David Oakley from the Boone Oakley Advertising Agency here in town uh, is going to join me at 820 with his thoughts on, on the ads last night. Overall, I mean, even there was – look, I liked more than one. I can remember several of them. But across the board – I wasn't really... It just seemed like regular commercial breaks you'd see anywhere. Yeah. They didn't seem like over the top. Like, they used to really be special, and now they're just like, they're okay. But it's just like it wasn't anything like super. Bold. And for that matter, we'll talk about the halftime show. I'm kind of the same way. You know, Rihanna, 
the hits. Kind of just there. Meh. Yeah. Want some help? You're, you are, you're. Yeah. I'm Batman. Now see, I know I'm in the minority on this, but I that's one of my favorite movies of all time, the 1989 Batman movie with Michael Keaton, mm -hmm. and he's easily my favorite Batman. So I knew this ad was coming, uh, the trailer for the Flash movie uh, in a few months last night, uh, and I knew it, they've basically taken a, a chapter from the Spider-Man movie, and now they have like the multiverse, so you can have different Batmans. And so if you watched that trailer last night, uh, Ben Affleck was in it as Batman, mm -hmm. and then Michael Keaton was in it. And uh, so I, I, I knew that was coming in some form, and when it came, I, I was joking. I said, well, I didn't, any ad that came after that I didn't notice because basically it said, as a lot of these trailers do now, you know, go online and watch the full trailer. And so I did, and so I had to come back upstairs and catch up with the game. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Run uh, now to your computer screen. <laughs> that's exactly right. That was my favorite ad of the night. Now, I know that I'm probably in the minority there unless you're a, a, you know, a, a movie buff. And I was texting with Sean O'Connell, and he was kind of filling me in on on because uh, you know the, the, uh, people like Sean would sc had screenshotted parts, and I thought even Christian Bale might be in the in the movie because they had the Batman on the motorcycle too. Uh, but at any rate, uh, let's talk about the ads last night, and I want to start with uh, the one Zoke. Uh, this is one of Zoke's favorites. Mm -hmm. I'll make this quick, Mr. Peanut. I know you got some brownies to ruin. <laughs> Mr. Peanut, why are you dressed like it's five recessions ago? Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut. What do you eat at parties? People. <laughs> I love your work in Thai food. We can all agree there's rich, and then there's haven't worn pants in a hundred years rich. <laughs> wow, that was brutal. Wish planners had just killed me off again. <laughs> See, now that's Zoki. That's stealth humor right there. That's what I love. It's just so subtle. It's not over the top. A lot of these things are just like, let's get the, the biggest celebrities and go over the top. I just love because that really not only had the, the flavor, but it's like the fact that they're roasting. Mr. Peanut is a dad joke in itself. <laughs> and then the jokes were fun, especially the first, they got me the first one. Don't you have brownies to go ruin? I mean, that yeah. was like, they had me right there. Now, uh, John Moore, uh, you, this is interesting because it's always, when you think about the, the greatest Super Bowl ads of all time, uh, the ones that you know the product. Like, I, we always bring up the cat herder commercial, but nobody can ever remember <laughs> what, what the commercial was for. I still don't know. And I have to go look it up. I always forget. Which means, so that's not a very, they didn't what really do their job. I, I, I literally I can't remember right this moment, and I've played it millions of times on the show. I'll find, but, but so I say this because I asked John, what's, what's your favorite commercial from last night? And he said, uh, the, what, the Breaking Bad one uh, that reunited the characters about Doritos. And so I started searching for Doritos. Well, it wasn't Doritos. <laughs> but then they didn't do their job because if you're thinking Doritos and not Popcorners. Uh-huh. Popcorners? I, I, maybe Doritos makes popcorn. I don't know. I, I thought it was a division of Doritos, but I wasn't may, sure. Well, you may be right about that. But at, at any rate, uh, I thought you, you didn't know Popcorners, and that's their fault. Yo, these are the bomb. And they're air popped, not fried. Popcorners? You're an artist. Actually, Jesse, it's just basic ingredients. No, we don't eat our own supply. Mr. White! <laughs> Jesse. Everyone's going to want to taste what are these? We call them popcorners. Time, time, time! We've got six signature flavors, y'all. Seven! You make seven! Seven works. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Walt and Jesse uh, reunited there from Breaking Bad. So that's one of John Moore's favorites. 
Um, about ones we didn't like, and I, I agree with you, uh, John Moore. Let me find this one here. Um, now where here it is. Uh, this one. It's not that I didn't like it. It's that I thought, and I was watching with my wife last night. Uh, we didn't have the kids there with, with us. But if I had been watching with kids, this one might have been a little bit awkward. Are you excited about buying an electric vehicle, but worried that it could leave you unsatisfied? Then you could be one of many Americans concerned about premature electrification. Symptoms may include fearing you might not be able to last as long as you'd like. There was plenty of charge before, and sometimes it goes away. A lot of times. I've been <laughs> working a lot. Being unsure if you have enough power to handle your payload. I don't know if I got the power for this baby. <laughs> I'm adventurous. I like to go all the way. I don't want to have to question if we're even going to okay. make it. <laughs> Bernie just walked in the door. He's like, oh, okay, what are you guys playing here? Well, it sounds like every other commercial we play. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if, if you come back to me with ones that I really liked, uh, there's kind of a theme here, don't you think, Bo? You have met my memory is a little fuzzy. Are you still a Nazi? So uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, you know, that's one thing that's been missing from the Super Bowl ads the last few years because of COVID. People weren't going to movies. So uh, for the longest time, Super Bowl's been big for big trailers. And the Guardians of the Galaxy was also last night. Uh, so I was glad to see those come back. Um, let me hit one more here. I like this one a lot. And this one was really early. Duncan, a new special. Duncan run medium or large coffee. Get a donut for an incremental dollar. Well, well, like, how can it be this inexpensive and good? Pretty no sugar. I'm just going to have to just give you 10 munchkins. You look a little lost. One second, I'm trying to find the bagels. Do I look familiar? Oh. Should I be in it or you want I just want this you. self portrait? <laughs> what are you doing here? Harris me if I Is like this pedals. what you do when you say you're going to work all day? I, I got to go, guys. Grab me a glaze. Ben Affleck and then Jennifer Lopez pulls up at the end. See, now Affleck was in the Batman trailer, or sorry, the Flash trailer, and uh, also in that commercial. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about one other one that Zoki brought up. And it's interesting because if you were at a party last night or you were watching with friends or some sort of group, then this one, this one made you wonder what was really going on in the room. So to a degree, a degree it was clever, but to a degree it was kind of annoying as well. I thought it was a jerk move. Because <laughs> we had a house full of people, and it was like, it like set the room on fire. I wonder if this happened where you were, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain. We'll explain which uh, which ad we're talking about uh, among the many last night. We'll have to get Bernie's take on what he liked and disliked last night as we're breaking down the Super Bowl that was won by the Chiefs in controversial fashion. WBT. Welcome back to Super Bowl 57. So far, Greg, the game going like you expected? Yeah, and so far, these teams, they've really... <laughs> now, uh, that right there, uh, that's an ad for Tubi, which is the free movie, TV show, uh, internet video service, right? Um, and... I was talking to Zoak, and he said that one uh, at my house, we had uh, some, some people over, and that one faked everybody out. Yeah. Made, it, made everybody think that somebody had either sat on the remote or changed the channel. And, and so I, I was only watching it with my wife, and we, we did, neither one of us sort of realized what was going on until we realized what had just happened. And Bernie's here and John Moore's here. But so in your house, somebody thought somebody had taken the remote. We had, you know, like 16 people. We had like eight couples there, and it was like you're watching it come out. It's like, was it in the fourth quarter even? I think it was yeah, late it in the was. game. 
And then that ad comes on, and everyone's looking around like, where's the remote? Like, so we're looking. So it's near my friend Scott by his feet, but sitting like on the ottoman. No one's touching it. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> losing their minds and looking around. And then I look back up, and I, I, I was just happened to be the only one noticed that it said something like Fox Nation or something. So I go, no, it's still on Fox. It didn't flip off to this whatever, 2BTV or something like that. But everybody got faked on that. So I... It wasn't that it was such a bad commercial, but I felt it was kind of a jerk move. <laughs> I guess it accomplished what they wanted to. It got got everyone's attention. Commercials are really lackluster this year, in my I think opinion. so. Oh yeah, Bernie? there was a, there was a few good ones. I have to uh, enlarge. I have to agree. I, I didn't think there were any. Just uh, I mean, the one that um, that got me both times, and I don't even have to ask you. Because uh, I know it did too, but the the two the uh, the farmer's dog about oh. the dogs. Anytime, any time you put a dog in a commercial, but the ones last night, the farmer's dog, where it, it tracked the dog all the way through the years and the kids, and the dog started out as a puppy and then got older. Uh, you know, we've I, I sat there and kind of looked over at my wife, going, "You're not crying, are you? I'm not crying." Just, but wow, then we're sitting and our dog is between us, and neither one of our kids are there. One's in college and one's at a party, so we, we're kind of looking at each other like, "Oh, where did everybody go?" But the dog's still here, right? What else did you like, Bernie? Um, I liked when I was walking in. You played the premature um, electrification yeah. commercial. That was my favorite one, probably. So you liked that, and John Moore didn't yeah. like that. You like it, John Moore didn't. I thought it was funny. Well, I just said it, it probably uh, made for some awkward moments, uh, depending on who was all in the room. Yes. Being able to keep a charge. Having to stop every time we got really excited, that wouldn't work for me. Stop. Start. Stop. Start. If P.E., premature electrification, is something you're worried about, go to RamRev.com and find out if the Ram 1500 Rev, with options being designed to extend range in satisfying ways, <laughs> is right for you. Stop. Start. Stop starting. <laughs> That's Definitely get the feeling that they're trying to push the electric cars. Good luck yeah. with that. There was yeah. a, there was a lot of EV commercials last yeah, J- night. John was salty <laughs> yeah, just because of the topic it. on that one. There were a couple I really wanted to like. Like they started out well, but they didn't have a finish. Kind of like watching Saturday Night Live or something. Was the Ham and Brie one? Yeah. They had John Ham. Oh yeah, and Brie, yeah, whatever yeah. name. It's like they're funny. Then the first like yeah, Ham and Brie, Brie and Ham. And the, but it's like, and then um, what's his name? Uh, who dates everybody from SNL? Opens oh, the Pete refriger- Davidson. Pete Davidson opens the refrigerator door. I'm going to eat you. It's like there was like there was no payoff to the fact that it was like kind of a funny setup. I thought to that one, the Hellman's commercial it was a mayonnaise commercial. Yes. All right. So yeah, what yeah. Are, what are we thinking about this? I have such an unpopular opinion in this room. Of course, I, uh, I, I queued it up to the most nondescript part of the entire performance. <laughs> yeah, just, hey. That's <laughs> Rihanna. Actually, let's uh, let's actually get a little learn. Here we go. Uh, now it's going to freeze up. I'll say this. The stage and the hanging uh, the, the parts of it, I thought that was, that was the best part of it to me because mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of just kind of in the middle on Rihanna anyway. And, and then where's Rihanna been for five years? It's yeah, like, she hasn't uh, performed live in seven years. Yeah. Wow. But it's interesting. I, I posted uh, just a couple of thoughts on this and very different reactions. I said halftime show was fine. <laughs> it's fine. It was just fun. It's fine. Halftime show is fine. The stage is really cool. Last year's show was better. Prince, still the best, in my opinion. Totally agree. And uh, Bernie, of course, responds, it was fine. Now listen to this. Mark Garrison, other than wondering if she might fall to the turf from the high stage, it was boring. 
A singer, red, with a bunch of pelvic thrusters and bathrobes. Creative. <laughs> wow, that's the most fire from Mark Garrison's Twitter account, really, ever. Shots fired. Shots fired on that one. I uh, got somebody who said The Who was the best. Uh, somebody said definitely Prince was the best, but Rihanna, uh, so high in the air. Plus, I heard she's pregnant again. And then... Uh, I got this one, which basically is upset because I guess Rihanna said something anti-Trump one time. So, uh, and then they said, uh, would the current regime be cool with the uh, let's go Brandon support or uh, uh, opposition? Let's just stop. Stop politicizing every single thing. Just be good music and good sports without an agenda, please. Which actually is is what I think anyway. That's, that's why I don't really, I'm, I don't care what Rihanna's politics are. I'm, I'm, I care if Rihanna put on a good show and whether I like her music or not. I like a few songs. Um, I think this was better than The Weeknd. <laughs> I don't think it was anywhere close to as good. Oh, The Weeknd was a bad one. As mm-hmm. last year with Dr. Dre and, and Snoop oh, yeah, and Eminem. Oh, yeah, that was a classic as well. And again, to me, it's not just like I have to know the music because the one I thought was one of the most underrated that was really good and gets forgotten about was Bruno Mars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really, at that time, and now I know more than I did then, but it's like, I didn't really know his music. I thought, as far as a showman and just uh, the music, I thought Bruno Mars a couple years ago was fantastic. U2 after 9-11 was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, uh, take the off the Michael Jackson back in 1993. Uh, and I know Michael Jackson comes with lots of baggage. But I'm not talking about the baggage. I'm talking about the music. And that was that year when he came out on stage. Remember, he stood for a minute and did nothing. <laughs> just, just <laughs> in, in other words, to say, I can do that because I'm Michael Jackson. But... Um, I have one question, Bo. When are they going to get Creed to do? Are you holding up for that? Show? I sure am. With special guest Nickelback. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jim knows right. where my head's at. <laughs> Creed. Uh, I guess when they have a Super Bowl in Canada, maybe they'll have Nickelback. And all this. <laughs> well, if they if they have Creed, then I guess that'll bump the weekend up by one notch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. WBT, where business talks. Presented by Ram Pavement. All right, 9 in front of 7 o'clock here on WBT, Monday, February 13th. Time to roll back to the market close on Friday. On News Talk 1110 WBT. Stocks ending mixed on interest rate uncertainty and as investors digest more earnings reports. The major averages have been under pressure following hawkish comments from Fed officials. And shares of Tesla snapping an eight-session winning streak and closing lower. But still, Tesla shares are up over 60% this year and Lyft stock needing a lift after the ride-sharing company reported an unexpected quarterly loss and said that this quarter's revenue will likely come in below estimates despite notching its highest number of riders in its latest quarter in New Nearly three years. The Dow winners, Chevron, United Health Group, and Amgen. The Dow decliners, Salesforce, Microsoft, and Disney. The Dow rising 169 points. The NASDAQ down 71. S&P 500 up 9. Hillary Barsky, Fox News. Taking a look at the pre-markets this morning. Dow futures down 15. S&P up 4. And NASDAQ futures up 50 at 652. News Talk 1110 WBT. The Zoke and Bernie and John Morbo Thompson here. Beth Troutman is off today. Today, uh, this was a, a pre-planned day off, so she'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> we'll have to redo this entire show with <laughs> Beth's comments inserted tomorrow. The question is, did she watch? 
I don't know. Uh-huh. We'll see. Uh, I know she had a, she's she's flying back from L.A., so she uh, I know her weekend and her timing was off and all that stuff. So we'll see uh, what happened there. But we're talking about it's interesting. I think Bernie said something or somebody in the room as we were getting ready to do the business update said, are the markets open today? That was Bernie. That was Bernie. And uh, the answer, obviously, as we just uh, showed you, uh, they are open today. And uh, it's not a holiday, but this has been going around for years, right? Should the Super Bowl, the Monday after the Super Bowl, be a national holiday? Kind of like Labor Day almost, you know? A day for, for workers to be off after staying up the night before watching the Super Bowl. I mean, did all of us watch? I made it almost to the end. Uh, in fact, I, I last half of the fourth quarter, I, I got in bed and then sort of started darted dozing and, of course, uh, woke up and... Now I know everything that happened, but everybody else stay up. Yep. I was up. Mm-hmm. I was yep. up till midnight. Oh wow! I would say, this is my thing. I loved having everyone over, having a house party. I love the Irish exit, so I, I can go to somebody else's house <laughs> and leave in the third quarter. And and, it, and I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say if you invite me over, that 30 minutes of saying goodbye to everybody after you, it's like it's like I've seen you all night. I just don't want to spend 30 more minutes saying goodbye because you never get out the door. Can't do that at your own house. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed everyone being over there, but then it's the dogs and it's to clean up, and it's. Uh, I had to write my sports cast for the morning, so it was it was midnight. It, it hurts. I'm a jelly. I'm playing. I'm playing like a Patrick Mahomes sprained ankle this morning here, broadcast wise. <laughs> I used to have a buddy, uh, and we always used to make fun of him because we would go. Um, we, we would have. Uh, we used to go and watch the um, NCAA's. Uh, for, for a guys weekend thing and and we went to and, and we kind of bounced around to different people's places there was one guy's place that we used to go to and when when he was done for the night he would go in the back room and, and just lock his door <laughs> and, and they would say i would say that's when he would he would poof he would just disappear no thanks goodbye or whatever just he would you know that he was done for the night not that he made you leave but because mm-hmm. uh, some people were staying there and some people came over for the party but he would just uh you know he was done because the door was closed and it was locked and he was just done you know so i guess that's how you iris exit at your own house you can do it at your own. i mean i could have used the hey i have to work in the morning and walked upstairs and right, got on the right. computer but it's like i just you know i feel i can it's rude and then i'd leave I can't leave Sandra with all of the cleanup. I left her with most of the cleanup, to be honest with <laughs> you. She probably did 90% of it, but I have to like act like I'm helping a little bit. Now, uh, this idea that the, the Super Bowl Monday should be a day off. Uh, I, I think the Super Bowl, like I heard somebody say a few months ago uh, when, when they had the national championship, uh, why is the college football national championship not on a Saturday? Like college football owns Saturdays. Why, why do we have it on a Monday night? Why and, not put that on a and Saturday? And also the basketball. The yeah. championship games on Monday. Yeah, uh, exactly. But I mean, but football more even than basketball is just Saturdays are college football, right? Mm-hmm. So in much the same way, um, what about this idea of Monday after the Super Bowl being a day off? I'll tell you straight up that selfishly, uh, the one part of it, and I'm I'm, I'm probably going to be the only person in the room, but I I enjoy being on the air the Monday after the Super Bowl because there's so much to talk about. There's always there's the game, the commercials, the halftime. Everybody it's wants mandatory. to talk. It's mandatory. If you're yeah. doing a morning yeah. show, you have to come in after the Super Bowl. You can't call off on, on that show. So if it was on Saturday, then it would be this thing where it would happen, and then Monday you're talking about it, but it's a day removed. I don't. It's so for the purposes of what we do and what I do. I always enjoy this day because some days you come in here for a five-hour show, and, uh, I mean, you all know the days where there's not a lot going on. Some days it's just obviously right there, but there are days when you come in here, it's usually a Tuesday. It'll probably be tomorrow, uh, but Beth will be back tomorrow, so they'll be uh, catching up to do there. But there are days when you come in and do this show, and you're like, boy, how are we going to get all the way till 10 a.m.? And then there are days where it's like 
you get you don't even get to a third of what you're doing. That's how Super Bowl Monday is. But but for all the other people who aren't hosting a radio show, it would make total sense because everybody everybody's dragging today. Mm-hmm. Everybody's coming back in like you, Jim. I mean, everybody's dragging, going having a party last night, and uh, and I was noticing on my street last night. You know, that you can tell the Super Bowl is that unique thing that. I mean, everybody will go to a party to watch the Super Bowl if they're invited, right? You know, it doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter if you're if you know who's playing. There's something about the Super Bowl night, the the TV watching part of it that, that there's a little something for everybody. So yeah, commercials, halftime is always some reason to gather. And uh, I, you mentioned it too. I think to me, the best idea of all, because not everybody does watch the Super Bowl or go to a party. Some people like to watch it at home so they can hear everything and not have to engage. Is Super Bowl Saturday? Is, is do the game Saturday? And then you got Sunday to recover, and you just do. We went to church Sunday morning, and they even said they were canceling the usual children's services Sunday night because it's the Super Bowl, and they know people aren't going to come. So just go ahead and just know that Sunday isn't going to be the regular Sunday. Give everybody Sunday to recover from Saturday and not make it a national holiday that there was a TV football game on because by Monday you'll be okay. That's one of the things I love about how they're doing the – the, the playoff now. I love the fact that the, the two playoff mm-hmm. games are on that Saturday or on New Year's Eve, whenever Sunday, Saturday, whatever it is, but it's on the day where you don't have to work the next day, right? Yep. Um, at least most of the years when, it, when they do it. But 704-570-1110, should Monday, the day after the Super Bowl, be a national holiday? Uh, we can talk about that if you want to. When we come back also, uh, I'm going to play the whole thing because Chris Stapleton doing the national anthem last night um, – Look, I, it absolutely, in my view, rivals what Whitney did all those years ago. I don't. That one's sort of on on a, in a class by its own. But this one last night, I think the further we get away from it, will be known right up there with it. Mm-hmm. One of the great renditions. And uh, you know what? I know we don't play songs anymore, but we're about to after the news here on WBT. Beth Troutman is off today. She'll be back tomorrow. Bo Thompson in the Ty Boyd studio along with Jim Zoki and John Moore and Bernie. And on line one, we're talking about the Super Bowl the morning after. And uh, should this morning after be a national holiday, as some have suggested over the years? Somebody says it every year. And every year I kind of go, hmm, yeah, you know. I mean, I could think of days I'd switch with it. <laughs> Joe, you're on WBT. Good morning to you. Bo, Jim, good morning. How are Joe you? Fan here. Yeah. What's I up, Joseph? Oh, this is uh, this is Joe the fan. Yeah, it is. Hey, so here's what I have to say about that. What they need to do is have one more bye week, which would push the Super Bowl out a week, and see next Monday's President's Day. A lot of people have that day off already, so I think that would be the best thing for everybody. I like the way you're thinking. However, you'd have to have some Tetris going on with other sports because next weekend is NBA All-Star Weekend, and it's also the Daytona 500. Uh, I'm sure they would move out of the way of the NFL if it came to that. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the point you're making is you have built-in holiday the day after. Uh, it's one. I mean, they've already – look, uh, they've already uh, delayed the Super Bowl, and everybody's used to it being one week later than it used to be, so why not? Yeah, I think that's what they should do. And just one more thing on the party. Like last year, I'm a Ram fan, so when my team's in it, I cannot go to a party. If they're not in it, I'll go have a good time because I don't really care. But uh, last year was pretty tense. 
Yeah, I can see. I, 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 and with you, when I first met Joe, <laughs> he was in a fantasy football league that I was in and Zoke was into, and, and Joe's team name was Rams in 99. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how long it's been. I can't believe it's been that long. When your nickname hey, one is... One more thing, about a little history for you. Uh-huh. Back when the Rams won that Super Bowl in, in the year 2000, I came into the studio with Jerry on Monday afternoon and, and did the show with him. So Jer- he let me do that. Jerry V. Yeah. Yes. I remember. I remember. Hey, uh, hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Don't ever change. I won't. You guys have a great day. <laughs> right, Enjoy the show, man. Take care. That's Joe. Joe on News Talk 1110 WBT. So throw him in the pool. Yeah, throw him in the pool. As, as uh, Jerry used to say, it's being renovated for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Hornets lost last time they played, right? The other night, didn't they lose? Oh, they yeah. Lost. That's always a given. So I can yeah. say, hey, Jim- <laughs> hey, Jimbo, Hornets lose again, gang. Hornets lose again. Don't wear your bones too tight. That's right. Love, live, and laugh, short pony ride. News Talk 1110 WBT. All right, I want to do something here. We don't usually play entire songs, but I want to do this because, honestly, one of the highlights for me last night was before the game even started when I heard that uh, Chris Stapleton was going to sing the national anthem. I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be good. And it did not disappoint, and I don't know anybody that I've talked to that thinks that it did. Uh, you know, is it there with Whitney Houston? I think the further we get away from this, because sometimes it's, it's hard to know in the moment, uh, like even then, because if, if you remember, the Whitney Houston song, uh, song happened back in 91, and then they released it as a single, and it hit number one on the Billboard charts. And this was at the, uh, the, the height of, the, of Desert Storm and uh, a time uh, when, when everybody was, was, was uh, uh, thinking very peri- patriotically in a, a time in our country where it was sort of the perfect storm for all of that to happen. Uh, and, and this song right here, uh, I, I think... As we get years down the road, and when you put it up on the pedestal of all-time great national anthem anthem renditions, not just at the Super Bowl, but period, uh, they're gonna they're gonna talk very highly about this one. To honor America with the performance of the national anthem, eight-time Grammy Award winner Chris Stapleton.
How about that starting off your Monday morning? Here on WBT, Chris Stapleton singing the national anthem. Anybody else uh, hear a little of this when you hear him? Actually, I, of course, cued it up to the part where he's not singing. Have it. Little Travis Tritt and Chris Stapleton, right? Yep. Yeah. We got Smash up that. 713 <laughs> on News Talk 1110 WBT. Got a full tank of gas. Hit it. You got more talent in one leg than that than a lot of cars have gotten a whole bunch. You got a one way ticket to the open road. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. You're going to see some serious yeah. It is that time of the week. We love it. Talking to Tom Blocker, our longtime auto expert. Over four decades in the auto business, we usually talk about the attributes of cars, and we will a bit today, but I want to start off in the other direction. A new Consumer Report survey on the least satisfying vehicles of the year. These are the ones that you don't want, or actually, better yet, you don't want again. Right, absolutely. They list the bottom ten, and... uh... Uh, they they surveyed a number of owners that had owned a vehicle for a few years. So, you know, they'd had the car long enough to be very familiar with it. And the least satisfied of all was the VW Atlas Crossport, and that's their large SUV. And only 38% of those owners said they would buy again. Uh, and then next on the list were a couple of Mercedes, and Mercedes GLB, and then a couple spots down from that, was a Mercedes GLA. Those are both subcompact SUVs. Now, I've driven that GLA, and honestly, it didn't act and feel like a Mercedes to me, really. You know, I haven't driven the GLB, but those are both subcompacts, and mm-hmm. they uh, they didn't do well on this. Only 39% said they would buy another GLB and 45%. Well, I was going to ask you uh, if you were surprised to see uh, a Mercedes on this list. And uh, so it it ends up being the reason that it's on the list is because it doesn't feel like a Mercedes. Yeah, that was, I mean, the the GLA that I drove, it was a few years ago, but it it did not impress me. Now, they have the GLC is their compact SUV, and I've driven it. It's excellent. I mean, it feels like you'd expect a Mercedes to feel. You know, it it really has a nice, it handles nice, it's got good power, it's well-appointed, you know, and all that. But also the the Infiniti QX50, it's a compact SUV. It's it's on that list. The Jeep Compass subcompact SUV is on on the bottom 10 list. The Kia Seltos compact SUV, the VW Taos, T-A-O-S. Uh, I'm not real familiar with that one. It's a subcompact SUV. And then the Nissan Kick is a subcompact SUV. So from that, Bo, you can see there were a lot of compact and subcompact SUVs on this list. Yeah, so there's, the, uh, there's the definitely small a— Small SUVs didn't do real great. There's definitely know, a trend going on here in a, in a generic the, sense. There, there, There is. But then the two— uh, vehicles that were kind of the, the best of the worst, they were in the top 10, but or the bottom 10, but they were sort of the top of the bottom 10. The Nissan Altima, uh, which is a midsize sedan, and the Kia Forte, which is a compact sedan. I haven't driven that one, but I have driven an Altima. I've rented one before, and it, it was a decent car. I think the problem both of these have is they're going up against the leaders in the segment. They're going up against the Accord and the Camry, you know, the Altima, it's a decent car, 
but the Accord and Camry have been the standards of the midsize sedan segment for 25 or 30 years. Yeah. You know, they're the kings of that segment. And with the Kia Forte, it's a compact, the Civic and Corolla are the top cars in that segment. So, I mean, they're basically, it's like they're facing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs or Jalen Hurts and the, you know, and the, and the Eagles. Uh, they're just facing the best of the breed, and that's probably why their owners weren't quite as satisfied either. Well, you mentioned uh, the best of the worst. We, uh, we, we, can't not, we can't end this and, and not talk about the best of the best because they did highlight the other end of the spectrum, Consumer Reports did. Yeah, and the top two, not surprisingly to me, were the Corvette, the Cor- uh, Chevrolet Corvette, and the Porsche 911. And if you know owners of these vehicles, Corvette owners are absolute zealots. They love their cars. You know, they maybe had a C5, and then they got a C7, and now they're waiting in line to get the new mid-engine C8, or they've got one. And Porsche 911 people are the same way. And, you know, I've had a, a GT3, and it's a fantastic car, and people really get attached to them, and they are absolute loyalists, you know. Uh, interestingly, the Rivian R1T, the new electric truck, uh, was was on that list of most satisfied. It was among the top three, and I just hope Rivian makes it. They're having a tough time. They're really struggling financially. Uh, they're finding out how hard it is to become, you know, uh, an automotive manufacturer uh, in this business. But they make a really nice truck. The truck is well reviewed, and the owners obviously love it because it it made the top of the list so uh we'll see how they do I, I hope they i hope they survive they're just really struggling to to make money and you know they've had supply chain issues and all that they're just they're really facing a, a tough challenge to become a, a viable uh manufacturer well again but, uh, uh, when they categorize cars <laughs> as least satisfying the question that gets asked is uh, would you buy the same car again? And then you have these percentages right. of people who say uh, yes to that. And, and and we should also point out that uh, this is a Consumer Reports uh, survey. There's a more uh, all-encompassing survey that's due out uh, pretty soon that you actually, uh, if you have yeah. to choose one, you like better. The, the J.D. Power, it's a, it's a huge survey. It's a, it's a very comprehensive survey. It's a big sample size. And, and they've been in the business. They've been doing it since the 70s. I mean, they're really good at it. And that's one I put a lot of stock in, too. So, and and it's, it's very complete. So when it comes out, we'll hit the highlights of that, too. And it's, it's always pretty interesting. They do, a, they do a new owner survey, and then they do like a, a, a three-year uh, survey, which is really kind of their, their meat and potatoes uh, yeah. satisfaction survey. But, uh, you know, we talked about the Rivian a little bit, uh, the Rivian truck, but, you know, EV sales last year, Bo, were, were up significantly in the U.S. Uh, in 2022, they were 5.8% of the market, and that was up from around 4% in 21. There were about 800,000 uh, EV sold last year in the in the U.S. and I think the federal tax credit that seventy five hundred dollar tax credit has helped boost EV sales some. Although some manufacturers don't meet the North American content requirements of that. Uh, one interesting thing though, and I didn't realize this until I, I just read about it recently, that fleet and commercial buyers uh, are not subject to that uh, domestic content requirement, so they get the full. $7,500 uh, tax credit uh, buying an EV, whether it uh, meets the requirements or not. So we may see uh, 
electric vehicles become a bigger part of like the rental car fleets, you know, here in the coming year. So it'll be interesting to see if that uh, if that is enough of an incentive to get those fleet and commercial buyers to start jumping on more electric vehicles. Yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll roll back to where we started and, and, and hope that this was a very satisfying uh, episode of, of Tom Blocker here on uh, Good Morning BT. Thank you, sir. There we go. Thanks, Bo. You take care. Monday, February 13th, the morning after the Super Bowl. Much more to come on the big game, including uh, the game itself with Jim Zoki and the ads. We'll talk to David Oakley from Boone Oakley Advertising Agency coming up next hour at 820. Mick Mulvaney coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. And a straight ahead, a preview for the week from our buddy Matt Harris with the Alec Murdoch case in Walterboro, South Carolina. The Alec Murdoch trial continues this week. In Walterboro, South Carolina, our colleague Matt Harris of the Matt Ramona Show on Mix 107.9 and also the host of the Impact of Influence podcast with his partner there, Seton Tucker. Uh, They've been chronicling this trial, this saga with the Murdoch family since day one. And I hope you had a chance to hear it late last week. We have uh, Brett Jensen who's on vacation and uh, on Thursday and Friday night, uh, they had Matt Harris filling in and uh, talking at length and in-depth about this uh, this case that is unfolding there in South Carolina. So the trial resumes this week, and uh, we have a preview with Matt Harris. It looks like the state will wrap up their case, they're saying, by Wednesday. What we're still waiting on from them, what we're really is, is the witness, or could be at least the witness, they call him Cousin Eddie. He is Eddie Smith. Eddie Smith is, I don't know, second cousin or something of Alec Murdoch. The Labor Day weekend after the murders of Paul and Maggie, Alec Murdoch called 911, basically saying a drive-by. Somebody shot him. He had a flat tire. Some came, somebody came by and shot him. He gets airlifted to Savannah Hospital. For there, goes to rehab. That's the first we hear of his opioid addiction that he's allegedly had for 20 years. Right before that Labor Day weekend, that was Saturday, I guess, Thursday or Friday, his law firm finally dropped the hammer, said, dude, you're fired. We found out all this stuff. You've been stealing millions and millions. And two days later, it's this drive-by. I may be trying to say that somebody who got Maggie and Paul also got him. Well, it turns out that this Eddie Smith character, Cousin Eddie, Alex says he told Eddie, come shoot me in the head. I want Buster, his remaining son, to get this big insurance policy. Eddie says that's not the way it went down. Eddie says, Alec called him. He comes over. They wrestle over this gun because Eddie says, I'm not going to shoot you. And the gun goes off. He leaves. He doesn't think that he shot Alec, but there is proof now that he was shot, but it was just grazing off of his head. However, so if Eddie Smith gets in there, the Fitz News has reported that Eddie is going to say that Alec confessed to killing Maggie and Paul. Now, Eddie is not the greatest witness in the world. There's a credibility issue that's going to happen there. His story has changed multiple times on what Alec told him, whether he shot him, whether he didn't shoot him. Plus, isn't this story weird? If you're not familiar with it, you're like, are you kidding me? So, in addition, Eddie and Alec have been charged by the state for basically running a drug operation where Alec would give Cousin Eddie, money, he'd shoot on down to the Walterboro Cowboys, 
pick up some meds, some oxy or something, bring it back to Alec. And this was the system that they had been running for years. Whether that's true or not, we don't know because that case hasn't come up. But Cousin Eddie on trial would be an amazing thing. When Eddie was interviewed at one point after this Labor Day suicide for hire plot, he said one of his quotes was, listen, if I wanted to kill him, I wouldn't have missed. So this is what we're going to be seeing. He also had this interview that was leaked where he was claiming that Alex found uh, his wife Maggie having an affair in the shed, and Alec burst down the door, and that's when he shot her, but we know that's not true. So there's a real credit, but we do want to see Eddie on, stay, on, on the stand, no question. And the other person you want to see on the stand before the state wraps is the chief pathologist in the coroner, and find out exactly the state of Paul's body in terms of why they ruled, the coroner ruled 9 p.m. at the time of death, for Paul, we have not seen the death certificate for Maggie. Why he did that? What was the state? How did he narrow it down? Why did he pick nine o'clock? How close was that? So those are two big witnesses that may end up on the stand next week before they wrap. And then, of course, Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin and Alex's defense team will start building their story right after that. Right now, the state—it's all obviously circumstantial, so they've got to build this circumstantial concrete block after concrete block after concrete block to make the story of why Alec would do it. And the the uh, defense will come down when they do their story, try to kick it down and cast that, as they say, reasonable doubt, and get a, a juror or two to not buy that Alec Murdoch would do this to his wife and son. That's Matt Harris. He's the host of the Impact of Influence podcast, chronicling the Alec Murdoch case. And uh, he has been doing some extra hours here on WBT in recent days. Uh, he and his partner, Seton Tucker, host that podcast. And, of course, he's our buddy from, 10, uh, from Mix 107.9 as well. Uh, Alec Murdoch case and trial continuing uh, this week in Walterboro, South Carolina. Coming up, we'll check in with Brett Winterbull crossing the streams. Third object in eight days. This is really getting interesting. Of course, uh, a week ago we were talking about the Chinese balloon over Surfside Beach, South Carolina. And now more objects to speak of. We'll uh, give you a recap of what we know up until this point and get his thoughts as well. Of course, uh, Super Bowl thoughts all morning long here on WBT and Mick Mulvaney coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. And if you're wondering where Beth is today, she is off, a prearranged day off. She'll be back in the Tyboid studio tomorrow. News Talk 1110 WBT, Monday morning, 10 before 8. And before we bring on Brett Winterbull, just so that everybody starts off on a Monday in the same place, because you may have been distracted by, I don't know, the Super Bowl or things over the weekend, uh, there's a lot that's happened since the initial Chinese balloon that was shot down off Surfside Beach. Here's Fox's Brooke Singman. The Department of Defense says it's on heightened alert after shooting down a fourth unidentified object flying above Lake Hearn in Michigan. The military took it down shortly before 3 p.m. yesterday after shooting two others this weekend, one in Canada on Saturday and another in Alaska on Friday. The U.S. Air Force General, who is tasked with safeguarding our airspace, says the military has not been able to identify what these three objects are, how they stay in the air, or where they are coming from. I'm not going to categorize them as balloons. We're calling them objects for a reason. Uh, certainly the event off the South Carolina coast uh, for the Chinese spy balloon 
that was clearly a balloon. These are objects. I would be hesitant to and urge you not to uh, attributed to any specific country. We don't know. And while the Biden administration claims they haven't ruled out the possibility that the objects could be connected to aliens or extraterrestrials, the president himself is ignoring questions about the incidents. And now even Democrats are getting tired of not having answers, claiming it's time for accountability from the Biden administration. I have real concerns about why the uh, administration is not being more forthcoming with everything that it knows. But part of the problem here is that the, both of the, the second and the third uh, objects were shot down in very remote areas. So my, my, my guess is that, that there's just not a lot of information out there yet to share. Republican lawmakers also sounding off on the dangers of these flying objects and what it means for national security. The motivation intent's clear here. They want to, to get imagery, get intelligence on our military capability, particularly nuclear. And that's why that balloon was so dangerous. And it was so dangerous for the president to allow it to go forward once it entered U.S. airspace. Meanwhile, China has denied the first flight shot down off the coast of South Carolina was being used for surveillance. Okay, that's Brooks Singman from Fox and uh, Brett Winterbull. Happy Monday to you. Yes, sir. So, Good to be here with you. Yeah, so, so if you're counting the Chinese balloon, that's four objects. Right. In addition, you've now had three in eight days, and it was a busy weekend. And like I said, a lot of people may have been preoccupied with other things, but uh, <laughs> what what is going on here? Here. Yeah, we don't we don't know. That's that. This is the problem. We we don't know what these uh, things are. I mean, it's it's easy to have people say, well, it's just it's a UFO, it's unidentified flying, whatever whatever it is. But the the designation for these sorts of things, like that the DNI puts out and things like that, is is called uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, right? So like we don't know what this stuff is. Um, just to just to give like a billionth of a of a percentage point benefit of the doubt to China. Okay, why are you flying over Lake Huron? Why, why are you flying over uh, the Yukon or something something like that? Like that that I understand the balloon that we all saw and it flew over the it flew over the the n nuclear missile sites and all that kind of stuff. But now this I mean this is just getting straight up weird, right? Where these things are starting to go. Um, and and so we, we we don't know what's happening here. We've got to pay close attention to this. But you know, I, I hearken back, not to be too partisan, but I hearken back to the days of Ronald Reagan. And there was a time when Ronald Reagan wanted to deploy SDI, the Strategic Defense Initiative, that was capable of shooting down missiles into the United States. I imagine that same weaponry would probably have been very handy to have today. If, if, if it had happened and it had not been blocked by crazy pingo commie leftists. Um, so we now have to wait and see what this is going to be. We have to now wait and see uh, what this ends up being. I have no idea. Uh, I don't think anybody does. Uh, but it is certainly weird and freaky, and uh, we're going to have to continue to watch this. Well, and uh, you hear chatter about, well, maybe this happens and we don't know about it. Maybe it's happened before. Sure. Uh, these are four things that were shot down. Right. I mean, right. And there's videos, I mean, of, of these things being... Not not being shot down, but you're seeing stuff in the sky that's right. very weird. Um, and I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I only say this half jokingly. Like, I'm not I don't like space. Space is not a thing I like because I believe whatever the heck is up there is a lot more sophisticated than what we have. 
And I've seen enough, uh, you know, horror movies to understand mm -hmm. that if this is something coming in that we've not done, if this is not a Chinese balloon, if this is not a Russian something, if this is like something from, you know, uh, other place, I don't know that we can match up with them. We're going to look like we're going to look like silly little dust mites to them. I mean, well, I, don't, and we, I don't know. We, uh, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, uh, you get so preoccupied with what's going on down here on Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, when you think about how much is out there, uh, I, I, mean, I know I'm getting kind of George Norrie on us here, but yeah. uh, I mean, you know, the, you're right. the odds and the idea that somebody else may, be, I mean, I think about the old, um, what was it? What was it? Uh, Horton Hears a Who, that they were a speck. They yeah. were a speck. On, yeah. I mean, who knows? We don't yeah. know. And, and and like you say, uh, you can get all, you can get all, uh, go out in left field and, and start doing conspiracy theorist things. Right. But by the same token, we're talking about four things that have been shot down in a week. Something right. is awry here. And it's possible. Let's be honest here. I mean, from an analysis, it's possible the Chinese flew a balloon over the United States. Mm -hmm. It's also possible the Chinese flew a balloon over the United States and then a bunch of other stuff just showed up here for whatever reason. You know, it could be it could be a coincidence. Uh, here's here's what I would point back to. And I, I don't want to be a conspiracy guy. I'm, I'm a serious person. Remember what we did about six months back that everybody was excited about it. I warned not to do. Do you remember what that was, Bo Thompson? Not off the top we, of my head. We attacked that stupid asteroid. Do you remember ah, that? Ah, yes, I do now. Okay, so what kind? What did that send as a message into the into the universe? What if they were up there and they're like, "Hey." Look, look at what these guys are doing. They're starting to shoot into space. Maybe we better go check out what they're up to as, uh, as an early warning system. I mean, I, I think it's as valid as anything else. And um, let me just say very quickly on our way out the door, uh, congratulations to Patrick Mahomes. Very classy, uh, acknowledging Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, uh, the two guys have got an incredibly bright future, and I'm excited for them. Um, and I'm sure the space aliens enjoyed the performances last night. Uh, yes, this hour of Coast to Coast. That's correct. East of the Rockies. East of the Rockies. West of the Rockies. I mean, you know. Under the Rockies. My show is just the postgame show for George Norrie. I love that. See, I love that so much. Paranormal dating. That's exactly right. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, I have like 10 seconds, but did you have a favorite ad last night? Uh, I think I like that he gets us. It made everybody okay. angry. I like that he gets us. Okay. All right. We'll talk more about it this afternoon yeah. on the Brett Winterbull Show starting at 3 o'clock. Uh, Rock on. Is, you too, man. Uh, either in this galaxy or others out there somewhere else. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Back at it on a Monday morning, Bo and Jim and John Moore and Bernie. Beth is off today. She'll be back tomorrow. But, of course, everybody talking about what happened last night. And the Eagles out of timeouts. And the Chiefs will try to go up with a 27-yard field goal by Harrison Butker. Winchester, the snap. The hold by Townsend. The kick is away. And good! 
seven-yard field goal to take the lead with eight seconds remaining in Super Bowl 57. 38-35. All right, Hertz will be in the gun. Chiefs have got the lead on the field goal. 36-yard line of Philly. Shotgun snap to Hertz. Dropping back. Only one person rushing. Hertz looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass. It lands at the 20. No one is there. Zeros on the clock. It's over. It's over. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal. By a former Panther. In fact, uh, former Panthers all around. James Bradbury, Greg Olson on the call. What a night as Patrick Mahomes, MVP, gets another Super Bowl ring. And uh, now that Tom Brady has exited, you start talking about a guy who's building his legacy. Bo Thompson here in the Tyboid studio and uh, Jim Zoki, WBT Sports Director for years and years. What did you make of the big game last night? If Mahomes retired uh, this morning, he'd be in the Hall of Fame when the time comes. He's now a two-time league MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP. So uh, he's going to have an incredible career because he's still young uh, to do this for much longer. Uh, but for him to do that with that high ankle sprain on top mm -hmm. of it, you can see the pain he was in when he left the game. You and I were talking earlier. We both kind of had, uh, as we were viewing it at our homes, it was like, there's no way he's coming back on the field. He's in so much pain. And then he had ripped off that 20-yard run or whatever it was later in the game and uh, just really gutted through that one there. So Kansas City is uh, building a little mini dynasty here to get as far as they have the last five years in a row to win two Super Bowls. And then to bounce back after losing a Super Bowl, losing an AFC championship game, to come back and win one with Andy Reid, beating his former team, the Eagles, uh, where he was let go after great success but never a Super Bowl title there. A lot of great storylines from this one. Yeah, and uh, we were mentioning earlier that uh, this, this injury, I mean, when you saw it happen to him last night, he looked like he was just wincing in pain. And you all obviously knew that this was on top of what he'd done a few weeks ago. So, uh, I mean, when he went to the bench – I thought he was done. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought you had every reason to believe that he was done. Uh, yet he came back and he did what he did. And this is, uh, I mean, uh, Sam Darnold had a similar injury early in the season, and he was out for, for months. Think back to, like, Thanksgiving yeah. from preseason. <laughs> so, I mean, you talk <laughs> They're about... all different severities, but, I mean, the fact that he played the week after right. in the conference championship game after getting hurt in the uh, divisional round was amazing. He gutted it out, and, of course, I said uh, former Panthers all around. You had Harrison Butker, who was once a kicker for the Panthers, and you had James Bradbury, who figured in to the very controversial play uh, at the end, the call. And, uh, and I mentioned the other Panther, former Panther, that was involved in some way last night. He was calling the game with Kevin Burkhart, that, of course, uh, Greg Olson. So I want to play you uh, the Fox call. This is Olson here with some analysis, uh, and, and this is how it sounded when uh, Philly fans <laughs> began their griping. Mahomes, pressure, lofting one end zone incomplete. Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't catch up. There's a flag at the 10. Hang on, there's a penalty. Prior to the pass, holding number 24, defense, five-yard penalty, automatic, first down. Yeah, that's worst-case scenario. You'll see James Bradbury. They're going to say he grabs him. He's got his left hand on his back. I don't know. Mike, listen, I think on this stage, I, I think you let him play. Obviously, Mahomes thought he saw it. I think, I don't know, I think you let him play, finish this thing out. 
I don't love that call, Mike. I mean, I think you got to see the whole thing. It seemed to me at the initial break, he grabbed the back of the jersey and pulled it. If we see that, I think that is a hold. All right, so uh, if, if you were calling the game, because you do the same thing that Olsen does, you're a, an analyst. If you were calling that last night, what do you think you would have said? Same thing Greg Olson said. I mean, it's it's a penalty by the letter of the law of the rules of the game. But there are, there are, to me, the human element is there are degrees of when to call certain things. And uh, penalties like that go uncalled all the time, all four quarters. That was such a slight tug of the jersey. I don't think it diminished uh, the, the receiver's ability to fully go out to catch that ball. I don't think he would have. And it's a very polarizing question. I see people going back uh, and forth both ways in social media about it, saying, hey, he shouldn't have done it. Uh, they called it correctly. Let it go. Others say you don't call it in that situation. Well, others say, well, if you call it in the first, you have to call it in the fourth quarter. I, I present to you, have you ever gone 38 miles an hour in a 35? Have you ever rolled through a yellow light that turned red as you were going right under it? Would you like to be pulled over every time that happens? Because that's the law. It's the rule. So all these people complain, like, going, well, let's put a monitor on your car, and you pay that fine every time. I thought that was a huge fine for James Bradbury to have to pay in that moment. It, it ruined the end of the game. It basically ran the clock out and a, a chip shot field goal at the end for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So, again, deserved a win. Takes nothing away from their win. I just thought it took away from what could have been a really fun finish to the game and uh, something where in that moment I don't think that's the time to call a penalty that's that uh, insignificant in that moment. All right, not that any of us are surprised, uh, but – I thought Gre I thought Greg Olson uh, did a bang up job last night. Uh, you're again uh, uniquely qualified to answer this question because you're an analyst. What did you think of the game that he called uh, on Fox? I was in a house full of 16 people, so uh, <laughs> I got to hear a good portion of it, but not all of it. But I think it, it, Greg always does a great job, and I think in this game uh, was up to uh, as he always would be. It doesn't matter what the uh, level of the game is. But I thought the fact that uh, you know he was able to use his expertise to talk about hey. My former teammate, this guy, he said, I don't want to curse uh, Harrison Butker here, jinx him because he missed that earlier field goal that, that doinked off uh, the upright. So I thought there were a lot of things that he said that were very much in the moment and perfect. He's just done a great job all season long, and Tom Brady needs to just keep riding the pine for a couple more years. Well, and uh, Brady has said he's going to start in the 2024 season. The thing to remember here is Fox won't have the game uh, for at least three years. So who knows what the situation will be by that point. Mm -hmm. For all we know, by that point, it may be Tom Brady in the booth or not. But Greg may be calling on another network. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know how long his deal is uh, with Fox. But uh, look, last night he was on the biggest stage, all the lights, all the scrutiny, and he did what he did. So we all know whatever happens with him, he's going to be fine down the road as an analyst. Uh, speaking of analysts, how about the ads last night? Who better to talk to than a guy who does this for a living very successfully? David Oakley with the Boone Oakley Advertising Agency joins us every year on the morning after the Super Bowl to size up the good and the bad from the commercials last night. And he'll be with me coming up at 820. WPT. All right, it's about that time to talk to uh, one of my favorite people. We talk uh, at least once a year and always on the morning after the Super Bowl because there's the game, there's the halftime show. But let's be honest, there are some people out there listening that don't care about anything but the ads, the commercials. And to bring it all into perspective for us is a guy who does this for a living very, very well and has for many years from the Boone Oakley Advertising Agency here in Charlotte, he is the one and only David Oakley. Happy morning after the Super Bowl, my friend. 
Good morning, Bo. It's a pleasure to be talking with you this morning. It is. It's tradition. Like, I, I, can't, I can't do this Monday without talking to you. It, it wouldn't feel right. I know. I know. I'll have to tell you, I woke up this morning. I was so excited about, uh, about speaking with you, and I was like, man, when is Bo going to get with the Times and, like, do a Zoom interview with me? I mean, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's radio. And I'm like, thank God people can't see what I look like the morning after the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah, we can, they can, we can look however we want to look because uh, they don't know, right? Right. Well, so so you're watching this last night, and and before we talk about what you liked and what you disliked, what's it like to be an an ad agency guy watching the Super Bowl? I mean, are you are you already you always uh, way more um, discerning and way more uh, scrutinous than than most people, or do you do you do you look forward to this? I do look forward to it, but I have to tell you, it actually becomes a little bit stressful during the game because. The game was so good last night, and yep. it, you know it was so intense, and like there was so much scoring up and down, up and down the field, that when the commercial breaks come on, a lot of times, well, during the regular season game or something, I go do something or I talk to my friend or whatever. But as soon as the commercials come on, you, everyone stops talking and focuses on the commercials. It's really um, a, kind of a backwards way of doing things, but it, it's exciting. Yeah, so uh, you sent me, I always ask you to uh, give me a, a text about what you liked and didn't like so I can have these queued up and we can we can listen to some of these. Now, uh, earlier in the show we played, uh, I went around the room and they talked about some of the ones they liked. The ones that you sent me are, are not ones that have shown up on anybody else's list, at least in our room today, which is interesting to me. I'm going to play this first one. Uh, this is one of the ones that you liked a lot. For the first time in 30 years, Coors Light has an ad in the big game. Actually, this is a Miller Lite commercial. <laughs> Mountain Cold Refreshment. It's Miller time. Great taste. Less filling. Cold as the Rockies. Forest commercial. Miller commercial. Actually, it's a Blue Moon commercial. And right there at the end, now this is an example of uh, one of those ads that they've been building up to uh, in earlier ads, you know, one versus the other, almost like the old days of like, uh, you know, the Bud Bowl or something. There was one year where I know they had uh, a couple of different beers uh, doing crossovers, but this one, you know, the stakes were set early and then you get a swerve there at the end. Right. I thought um, it was absolutely brilliant um, just marketing wise because um, the average everyday consumer, which I, you know, I guess I, I really feel like I am, but I'm not because I kind of have an inside look at the ad industry. But, you know, uh, Miller Lite and Coors Light, in my mind, are big, big competitors. And the fact that they were going to go, go at, a, at each other, and the whole time I was watching this spot, I'm like, who is this for? It's almost like the old um, Coke Pepsi commercials that they used to do where, you know, with your cheating heart and where the uh, Pepsi guy went into a convenience store and actually pulled out a Coca-Cola and the, I know the Coke guy pulled out a Pepsi and the entire stand fell down and you found out that he was actually cheating. He was cheating on, um, um, on Coca-Cola. Yeah. I, I got it backwards there. But what I'm saying is that the, the thing that was so great about this commercial is that I realized halfway right at the end when it became a Blue Moon commercial that, oh, my God, the same company owns all three of these <laughs> products. And it, it just was just really well done from a marketing perspective, I believe. Another one you liked was, was another uh, beer commercial. Here's this one. The estimated hold time is now less than 96 minutes. 
So the guy's dancing around the room. They're having Bud Lights. And then... We thank you for your patience. So I'm not going to play the whole thing, but people watching remember this ad, uh, and it's it's basically what they're doing while you're waiting for an automated uh, phone uh, service to finally pick up your call. Yeah, but I think it's really hard to do something that stands out during the Super Bowl because everyone's putting everything behind everything that they do. And what this one did was it, it slowed things down a little bit, and you stopped and, got, and had a second where or you probably had 30 or 40 seconds of going, what in the world is going on here? Why are these people dancing to this terrible music? And then you realize that it's something that's very relatable because all of us have been put on hold, and you're, like, hearing that music, and you're like, what is that bad music? And, and invariably, when you're waiting to talk to the bank or whoever, they, they stop it just to make sure you're still on the line. And then the music starts back, and you're disappointed. But this couple, whether it's a husband, wife, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, they found a way to pass the time in a good way, and it made Bud Light the hero of that. And it, it was a really good way of um, promoting beer, I thought, just different, and, and I enjoyed it. Talking to David Oakley from the Boone Oakley Advertising Agency here in town. Uh, it's our annual uh, you know, taking stock of the ads. Now, you did not like this one. John? Bree, any idea why we are in a fridge? Well, I'm Bree. Yeah, I'm John. I know, but you're John who? John Ham. So we're Bree and? Bree and Ham. Ham and Bree, I get it. And Hellman's. We're dinner. Well, with Hellman's, all these leftovers can be anything. Is that Pete Davidson? Uh-huh. He really is everywhere. I'm gonna eat you guys. You guys are really delicious. That's. Weird. Hellman's brings leftovers to life. I feel like uh, Pete Davidson's an interesting guy at this point because it, that I, that one just kind of seemed to me like uh, okay, uh, they're sitting around a table. Hey, let's put Pete Davidson in an ad and see what happens. I agree. He's everywhere. He's like he's in so many different ads for different products. But you know, I I wanted to really like this one because I'm a big John Hamm fan just from the Mad Men series. Right. And, but I mean, it's kind of funny, ham and cheese. I get it, but it's. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It was just weird. And and besides, Duke's Mayo was way better than hell. <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you my favorite one from last night. I don't have time yeah. to play it right now. I knew it was coming because uh, I'm a big uh, I'm a big movie guy, and I knew that this the Flash trailer was coming last night. But yeah. seeing Michael Keaton back as Batman in that that Flash uh, trailer, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't even remember what, what happened after that uh, that one ran. Because... Oh my God, are you kidding? I didn't see that one. I love Keaton as Batman. I didn't even know that was happening. Okay, I didn't see it. you got to go look it up. It's it's a I it's will. a it's a trailer for the Flash, which actually has yeah. Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in it. But uh, Keaton is, I, I won't spoil it for you. And it's one of those ads that the, a lot of times now, you know, they'll show you a, a piece of the trailer and then uh, yeah. tell you to go online and watch the rest of it. Well, that's what I did, and I spent the next 15 minutes watching it over and over again. So uh, I'm going to have to stop it there. I love talking to you. I love having, having a, uh, you know, a trained eye at these ads that we all see every year, and uh, I appreciate you coming on, David. Well, Bo, again, thank you. It's a pleasure. And as I always sign off with, it's always bow time with bow time. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you. Boone Oakley is the advertising agency. Uh, they do it better than anybody. WBT. Want some help? You're, you are, you're. Yeah. I'm Batman.
even has even has the Danny Elfman soundtrack music from 1989. So uh, I was saying earlier I, that I knew that trailer was coming last night for The Flash, but I didn't know how much it would feature Michael Keaton. And uh, when I saw that one last night, it was one of those commercials where it said, "If you want to see the full trailer, go go watch it online." So I did, and then I I, uh, I started missing some of the game, but uh, that's what happens. <laughs> When you're uh, looking forward, I, I'm a big Batman 89 fan. So that was my favorite ad from last night. We were talking earlier about some of the other ones. Uh, this one here doesn't it doesn't work quite as well to play it on the radio. But if I play a little bit of the audio, you'll know what I'm talking about. So this is the one for the farmer's dog. And was it John Moore that was telling me, or is it Bernie was telling me there's a longer version of this online? That's what Bernie was saying. As if I need to watch more of this, it's going to make me cry. My wife and I were sitting on the couch, and uh, we have a daughter in college, and, one of, uh, and our son was watching the game somewhere else, so it was just us and then the dog in between us, and we're watching this. Those, those farmer's dog ads were amazing. They were night. good. Anything with dogs. Yeah. I, mean, I even watched some of the Puppy Bowl yesterday, side note. Did you watch any of that? Action was phenomenal. Ooh, who won? Nonstop. I think Fluff lost to whatever the other oh. one was called. <laughs> it went to overtime. Had money on that. I think it was fixed. I think it's rigged. I think Puppy Bowl's rigged. Now, uh, I did actually walked through the room, and uh, it was being watched. My wife was watching it. Uh, I was uh, I was working on the show. Now, uh, <laughs> John. Look at the martyr over here. I was busy working. Well, I have to on Super Bowl Sunday. I know, but it's just kind of like she was playing, and I was working. <laughs> I don't watch such things. She was goofing off. I was doing work. Good day, sir. <laughs> Here's one John Moore liked from last night. Yo, these are the bomb. And they're air popped, not fried. Popcorners. You're an artist. Actually, Jesse, it's just basic ingredients. No, we don't eat our own supply. Mr. White! Jesse. Everyone's gonna want to taste. What are these? They call them popcorners. We've got six signature flavors, y'all. Seven! You make seven! Seven works. Yeah. Yeah, Walt and Jesse back from Breaking Bad last night. Uh, we thought it was a Doritos ad at first, but it's, and maybe Doritos owns Popcorners. I don't know, but the ship, chips are called Popcorners. I can never remember the, the, the product. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I always say the cat herder commercial from like 15 years ago, but I, to, at right now, every <laughs> single time I mention it, I have to go look it up. Because I don't know what it was. John Moore walking into the grocery store today. Where are the Breaking Bad chips? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and we're, I'm going to save the one that Zoak, uh, the most memorable one for you, to our next segment. Because uh, you'll understand why when we get there. This one right here is one from the category. And John Moore's not the only one. But this one last night seemed to turn off some people. Uh, and I, it helps when you uh, turn up the audio. Here we go in three, two, one. Are you excited about buying an electric vehicle, but worried that it <laughs> could leave you unsatisfied? <laughs> then you could be one of many Americans concerned about premature electrification. Symptoms may include fearing you might not be able to last as long as you'd like. There was plenty of charge before, and sometimes it goes away. A lot of times. I've been working a lot. Being unsure if you have enough power to handle your payload. Oh. <laughs> this is a this is a Ram truck uh, electric electric truck ad, which 
<laughs> By virtue of the fact that it's about the the the, e, the EV cars, John's not going to like that it. That threw me for a loop. I thought it was going to be, oh, good, here's a company telling us about their new gas motor car. <laughs> I thought you said you were disappointed. You were hoping it was a real ED ad. I was, I was, yeah, I was looking for a phone number there to give to Bernie, but I got I loved all the wife responses, like, it stops, it starts, it stops, it starts. No, it happens all the time. <laughs> it was funny. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. The part you're talking about, I got it at the very end. Here it is. .com and find out if the Ram 1500 Rev, <laughs> with options being designed to extend range in satisfying ways, is right for you. Stop, start. Stop, start. <laughs> you have to admit. That is funny. a funny ad. Yeah. Uh, now, the one I want to talk about when we come back is one that uh, you probably didn't think was an ad when you saw it. And you probably, you probably got mad at somebody in the room if you were at a party because of what the ad made you think was happening when, in essence, it was actually just an ad. Even Burkhart and uh, Greg Olson were part of the, the gag on mm -hmm. this one. 8.43 on WBT. And don't forget, 9 o'clock hour, Mick Mulvaney in the house, as always, on Mondays. And plenty to talk about with uh, four objects now in the last week or so shot down over various places uh, in the United States. So we'll get his take on that and also the, the presidential sweepstakes. WBT. Only one BT today. The other BT <laughs> is off. It only takes one BT to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, Brett Jensen was where, right. Yeah. Where, where's he when I need him, right? Uh, Beth will be back tomorrow. It was a, a pre-planned thing, so we knew she was going to be off today. And uh, looking forward to having her back in the house tomorrow. We're talking about uh, the big game last night. The Kansas City Chiefs get the win. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP, and what about the MVP of, of the ads last night? And what about the halftime show? We'll get to that in a moment. But I mentioned uh, in our previous segment, uh, as we were going around the room talking about various uh, ads, and we had David Oakley from uh, Boone Oakley on a little bit earlier, uh, everybody's been talking about the ads they liked, the ads they did not like. Well, what about an ad that you, that you don't realize is an ad? But it, uh, I, I no doubt, I mean, this happened to Zoke last night, so you guys are, are having some people over. Mm -hmm. And this comes on. I'll play it for you, and then we'll talk about the, the chaos that it caused. Welcome back to Super Bowl 57. So far, Greg, the game going like you expected? Yeah, and so far, these teams, they've really... <laughs> it's making me mad just here as we go. So uh, that was a Tubi ad. Tubi is like one of those uh, free movie services that... Uh, is out there. Uh, you don't have to pay anything for the for the movies they. But they're trying to get their name out there. And what happened was, you heard. I mean, there was was Greg Olson and, and Burkhart who filmed a fake rejoin back to the game. And you thought you were in the game, and then the the screen freezes and it shows the menu, and then it looks like somebody's getting the remote and going from thing to thing. Looks like somebody's changing the channel. Mm -hmm. And so there you were last night, and uh, <laughs> you you guys, as many people I'm sure did, fell for it. Oh, it was a houseful. And yeah. every, everybody's heads were turning, like, who's got the remote? Turn it back and, like, screaming. And um, when you look at it, it's just sitting there on the autumn. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, by pure luck, I happened to look up and see just a little banner at the bottom of the screen that said Fox Nation. So I said, it's still on Fox. It's not on TV. But people were, just, like, still, like, they were just, like, thrown. I go, they tricked you. They got you. They did exactly what they wanted to do. That's all they wanted was to, to you know. Hold you hostage for a few seconds. If the remote could talk. I was about to blame the dog because our dog jumps up on the couch two or yeah. three times yeah. a week and lands on the remote. Yeah, that actually happens. Off, so. 
So if remotes could dog. talk, if dogs could talk, they'd all say, <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> it was not me. I call that a jerk move, though. I mean, good for them, but, you know, they got people talking. That makes talking. me mad at Tubi now. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's always the, the thing. Like, I mentioned the cat herder spot that we can never remember who it was for. So I, I'm, not an, I'm not an ad exec, but I'm, I'm assuming that if you sit around a table and spend that much money on your Super Bowl ad, that you want people to be able to say who the ad was for the next day. In this, in this particular case, it's not the same thing as the cat herder ad, but like you just said, if, if, if Tubi is a, is a service that you're trying to get people to start using, and you know, we all know how many streaming options there are right now, so if you're trying to get people to add that to their mix now, I know it's free, but if there's a negative connotation attached to it, right. like, like you uh, duped everybody or you made everybody mad and think the channel was changed, then I don't know. Does it do what it was intended yeah, to if do? If you walk in the room and they logo a water balloon and hit you with it, it's <laughs> memorable, but are you pleased about it? <laughs> it's like, oh. That's where I was going. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, how about this here? Let's go this for you. Hit the top. Super Bowl halftime show. I'll tell you what I tweeted out after it was over. I said, halftime show is fine. Stage is really cool. Last year's show was better. Prince, still the best. That pretty much sums up what I thought. I think we all agree with that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, everybody jokes with me in here. If Beth were here right now and I said it was fine, she'd say, oh, okay, I see. But but it was about what I thought it would be, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, She played the hits. I thought the stage was cool, how they elevated her. That was was pretty neat. But uh, it was nowhere near... You know, Dr. Dre and and Snoop Dogg and that crew last year, and no. It was never going to be my music, but it was just um, the fact that so much of it was canned was my thing. I get that uh, to some degree, but it just felt like there was a minimal amount of live singing, from what I could tell, because there were many moments where she wasn't even trying to pretend. Like her voice was going, and she wasn't even lip singing; she was just walking around. So to me, it's like, all right, the staging school or whatever, but she's not really performing; she's just kind of there. I mean, it was a lot better than The weekend. Oh, yeah. But or no- Black Eyed Peas. I thought that was always yeah. the worst one. But nowhere near, you know, Prince or, I mean, even back in 93, Michael Jackson. I always loved that one. The the uh, U2 performance after 9-11. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's anywhere near some of the great ones. But, you know, was what I thought it would be, I guess. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was like a diamond. In the sky. Like a diamond in the sky. Or floating in the stadium. <laughs> and you know what else I heard uh, chatter about last night was the field. And I, I almost had to do a double take that we were actually watching a Super Bowl on a field made of real grass. But that stadium, as you well know, Jim, is uh, a bit of an anomaly because it's real grass, but it's inside. But it's because they they bring the grass in like a like a like a rug. Like they mm-hmm. roll the rug in and they grow the grass outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard some talk last night about the field being pretty slippery for a lot of these players. Yeah, for both sides. In fact, I've had a, a Fred Clark soundbite from the winning team, the Kansas City Chiefs, talking about it was the worst playing surface <laughs> he's ever been on. But he said Arizona's got a history with them of, of being that way. And some of it seemed like it might have been, you know, all the extra logoing on the field. Uh, but just in general, there were areas where it was just green grass where it was just coming up under their feet. And uh, it looked like it was overwatered or something in the preparation for this particular event, uh, the way they wanted to get it ready for this game being the Super Bowl and all that was going to take on. 
Uh, but it was definitely an impact. I mean, players were changing cleats and falling down and sliding out there, so it impacted both teams. Well, there's Rihanna, and uh, I'll end this hour as we head into the 9 o'clock hour and welcome in Mick Mulvaney. I'll end with what I, I think was easily the musical highlight of last night, and it uh, it's not the beginning because I'm crunched for time here, but it needs no introduction. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Beth Troutman is off today. She will return tomorrow. And returning to the Ty Boyd studio today, our good friend Mick Mulvaney, former White House Chief of Staff, former South Carolina Congressman, White House Budget Director, Special Envoy to Northern Ireland, and uh, all-around good guy. How are you today? Doing good. Good to be here. Lost my voice a little bit. I don't know why. We'll talk about uh, your thoughts on the big game a little bit later. But uh, the real game now, the game this morning, here on this Monday, February 13th, keeping track of how many things we've shot down in the last eight (laughs) days. I mean, this is a – I don't know what to make of all this now. A lot of people, no doubt, were distracted over the weekend with things like, I don't know, the Super Bowl uh, or other activities. It was a huge sports weekend, and yet if you're, if you're following what's going on, stemming from the original China balloon that was shot down uh, just off the coast of South Carolina, now we have three other objects in eight days, and they're saying, like, they, they, we don't know that these are balloons, these are objects. But they've all been shot down, Mick Mulvaney, which uh, that in of itself... A lot to unpack here. Um, Yeah, it is. And, you know, I can't help but look at this stuff now. Hopefully, as I get further and further away from the job, I can go back to being a normal human being. But right now, I'm still fairly close to having served in the White House. So I can't help but look at it from the perspective of folks who work there, right? And so you you watch this over the weekend, and you start pulling your hair out going, where is the messaging? What what are they doing? What, what, What are these people in the building thinking about? Because you can't... You can't not have a narrative. You can't not have a story. You can't not have a message. You can't have nothing because if there's a void, a void will get filled, and it will get filled by, and I'm saying this just a little bit tongue-in-cheek, people, crazy people who think this might be a result of attacking an asteroid. Um, and you know what I'm talking about from the last segment. Um, was, I think, was it Callender who said that? 
Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, the, we attack the asteroid. This is right. the response attack. It allows narratives like that to get out. Well, and and the, the UFO was said in a couple of places over the weekend. Yeah. I, so what you need to, what they need to be doing is and, getting together. And I don't, together. I don't mean that I think it's a UFO, yeah. but, but to your point, uh, if you don't fill the void, every little thing will get said. It, it can be little, little green people. And who knows? It may be little green Martians. I have no idea. But the point of the matter is the White House is supposed to lead a message, drive a message, even if the message is, look, we don't know what this is. We're doing X, Y, and Z, et cetera, et cetera. That's a message, right? You don't just be silent. And, and that's what the you played a clip last hour about the president not taking any questions about this. Someone has to answer questions. Someone has to be out there every morning at 9 o'clock giving whatever the narrative is. There has to be some cohesion to this uh, and some coherence to this. It just it frustrates me because this administration supposedly ran on competence, because supposedly the Trump team was incompetent. And I look at this and going, this is a disaster. This is a bunch of amateurs running around not knowing what to do. Um, I feel bad for Jeff Zients. He's only been on the job in the chief's office a week, and he's had to deal with this now. So, um, But, I, you know, I, I feel bad for him a little bit, but not enough to, to, you know, forgive him for not doing his job. There needs to be a message out there so that there's not this void that anybody and everybody can fill because that's what's happening right now. If this same scenario were happening uh, when President Trump was in office and you worked that year with President Trump as his chief of staff, uh, can you imagine how this would be being handled right now? What the what the what it would be like to be a fly on the wall in the White House during this? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting question because um, I, I, I would probably be. So what you do, you'd have you'd have, you know, the chief's office in there. You'd have clearly the, the media, the press team, comms, press, everybody. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, is in there. Uh, Mercedes Schlapp is in there. Later on, it would be uh, Stephanie be in there. It'd it be the professionals. And then you get people who you are your senior advisors who don't have sort of a portfolio, but you have because they are really, really good, insightful people. So Kellyanne Conway would be in there, right? And we'd be having this conversation. Uh, and you might even have um, Kudlow down because you don't want to do anything to freak out the markets. You don't want to have somebody go out and say, well, it's clearly aliens and have the markets go nuts, right? So you'd have the senior team in the, in, the, in the Oval Office talking about what to say. I would probably be advocating for transparency. You know, we don't know what it is, but here's what we're doing X, Y, Z. president was never a big fan of that. president was never a big fan of admitting what he didn't know. So he would tr try to be looking for some other message to deliver. These are weather balloons. Darn it. We're going to say the weather balloons until they're not weather balloons. And, and so and that would be the debate that we would have. But at least you'd be having the debate and you'd walk out of the meeting with a plan. What 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 is your uh, so now let's go back to the to the present. Uh, we were talking about speculating as if you had been there if this were to happen during the Trump administration. But now here's where we are and you see how Biden has responded or not responded to it. What's your level of concern, especially as it relates to the one we know about uh, to a degree, which is that balloon uh, from China and, and the other three, whatever they may turn into. What's your level of concern security wise? Um, fairly, it would be significant, if not oh, security-wise. Um, you know, uh, I, I think through it this way. What do we know? We know there was one that was a balloon that came from China, okay? So that leads me to believe that the default setting should be that the next one that we see would be something from China, whether it's a balloon or not. Why? Because they've just proven their ability to do it, their intent to do it, and the fact that they did it. 
Um, and, you know, you've got this rumor going around that there were th- two or three before during the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. we we'll talk about that in a second. That's that's bizarre to me. That That's a that's a weakness. There, there's a there's a problem with that. Um, but my concern from a security standpoint is that either it has been going on for a long time and we haven't known about it or that they're just getting a lot more stuff than we real and that we're getting a lot more stuff that, that we just don't realize. All those things are, are, are troubling that it, this might have been happening for a while. Well, and we touched on this a bit last week when there was only one to talk about. Uh, but but you, I mean, nobody in the Trump administration, since it was alleged that this had been happening earlier, had any knowledge of it. Let's go through this real quickly. John Bolton said he never heard about it. R- R- Robert O'Brien, this uh, John Bolton's successor, said he never think, heard about it. Pompeo said he never heard anything about it. And right. I'm saying I never heard anything about it, which means that they didn't tell us. OK, so there's three possibilities. Number one, it was happening. There were balloons, and the military caught it and didn't tell us, okay? That is a major problem. There's another possibility, which it, it was happening, and the military didn't catch it, and that's why they didn't tell us. That is a major problem. Mm-hmm. Number three is that it didn't happen, okay? It didn't happen, and they're just making it up now to try and make Biden look, bad, look good, and that's even worse. So there are no good outcomes here um, by saying— Oh, this happened during the Trump administration without having the White House know about it. So that that, that I, by the way, I hope it's one or two. I hope it's actually one that they that, that were there. They saw it. They think said to themselves, this does not this is not a big deal. It doesn't rise to the level of letting the president know. That's the end of the story. It's still a mistake in my mind, but it's the least um, significant mistake. You go to the last one, which is they're willing to lie about a previous president in order to make a current president look good. That is a major problem and should get people fired. News Talk 1110 WBT, Bo Thompson and Mick Mulvaney. I'm going to complain to Pat about him taking two minutes of my time. I saw him last week. I should have said something. I'm going to do that. I am. I'm going to, we're going to make him go in the 8 o'clock hour. <laughs> is he the same time every single day? Uh, yes. Okay, then. Yes, he is. Except for Wednesdays, because Wednesdays he's here for an hour. He's in Can we do him in the 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock hour? I am uh, not the guy you should be talking to. No, that's what I, was, that's what I meant. <laughs> I don't control such things. I just talk behind the microphone here between the hours of uh, 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. And on Mondays, I uh, get to join you in the studio. And by the way, Beth is going to be back tomorrow. She's off today, prearranged thing, so we knew she was not going to be here. But she'll be back tomorrow, and we have lots to discuss. In fact, uh, let's talk about this. Under the previous administration, the American deficit went up four years in a row. Because those record deficits, no president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25 percent of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. They're the facts. Check it out. Check it out. A a lot has been made since this speech the other night. A lot has been made about how rowdy it was in that room and how uh, obviously Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene's been, you know, she's she was one of the ones that stood up and was yelling liar. And and but she's not the only one who was sort of barking back at him. And even Kevin McCarthy sitting behind him uh, was, uh, I would say, more animated now. As soon as I say that, more animated by some of the things he could he could sort of sort of uh, mouth, but didn't he didn't rip up, he didn't rip up a speech right. either. So yeah. he didn't go to that extreme. But what are, you spent a lot of time in that room. Was the room the other night any more 
I mean, has it, has it ever been as animated as it was, or are people making too much about this? I, I think people are making too much about it, but it is getting worse. So maybe I'm talking on both sides of my mouth when I say that. Um, it didn't surprise me. There has been a decline in decorum in the country. There's been a decline in decorum in Washington, D.C. So, the, again, Washington doesn't lead. It follows. Um, you, you think we'd like to do a little bit better in Washington than you do, you know, out in, 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 in everywhere else, but we don't. Um, and you go back to the Joe Wilson, you lie thing, which I always thought was interesting. I'm absolutely convinced he was hopped up on caffeine pills because he just got back from Afghanistan. But re- reasons aside, it changed the speech. And now people know if they yell out, they're going to get they get to be famous. Uh, and I mean, Joe made, I think, raised two million dollars in 24 hours out of that. Um, that's a big deal. There's big money in, in, in being outrageous. Um, that said, you know, Nancy uh, took it down another several levels when she ripped up the speech, which was just horrendous. Horrend- they should have if, if they should have censured her for that. You can't kick you don't want to kick her out of Congress for that. But you should have officially censured her for doing that. One of the most disrespectful things I can imagine in that speech, uh, even more so than the you lie thing. Um, but you, and then Joe, Joe encourages it. He, he engages it. He's like, hey, man, you know, he's, he's trying to be a, an everyday guy, right? He's, oh, look it up. And every time you look it up, it turns out you're wrong. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's not any one person's fault. It's a decline in decorum. Um, it's going to continue to get worse as long as people continue to see it as a way to become famous and to raise a bunch of money. Marjorie Taylor Greene is raising money off of that clip. Um, you know, it, it becomes an interesting chess move where now the Republicans are saying the Democrats actually tried to go to the, the, the Republicans in doing that because they think it makes Republicans look bad. Republicans make, think, and make it, think it makes them look good. So with that sort of dynamic, you can expect it to get worse and worse and worse. Ironically, I thought this last week, look, President Trump, if he's in the right venue and in the right mood, can goad people as, as, as much as anybody we've seen. However, you and I have talked before about the different gears of speech modes that President Trump would be in. And there's a mood where he is absolutely kind of trying to fire up a crowd. There's also a mode that he can strike, and he didn't do it that often, but every once in a while, he sort of struck the presidential, more regal, more subdued mode. Uh, When he did his speech a few uh, months ago to started this current campaign, it was that mode. You know, I actually thought that when he gave State of the Union addresses, he was much more subdued than what we saw of Biden the other night. Biden, a couple of those moments, was, was like you sort of say, uh, kind of goading the crowd along. He was. And you're right about Trump. And in fact, we, we worked hard. He worked hard to make sure he knew he had a couple different gears. And he knew there were certain circumstances that were so important and so traditional, so iconic, that it wasn't appropriate for a rally speech. Um, I remember when we talked about the State of the Union in 2019, which we almost didn't have. Remember, it was the government shutdown at the time. Right. And Congress was not in session. Uh, Congress was in session, but we would shut down the government, so they were not capable of inviting us over because they didn't have the staff to have us. So we started looking around for other places to have the speech. And he's like, no, no, this is the speech that's supposed to happen in that building with that crowd. Everybody watches it. It's a huge audience. We're going to do the speech there as soon as the government open back, opens back up. And he knew he wanted to give a presidential speech. He also did that at the United Nations um, General Assembly. Those were where he gave his, uh, what I'll say, formal speeches and usually stuck to the script 95, 98 percent of the time. Not a rally speech. You almost felt like Joe Biden was the exact opposite. He's trying to give a rally speech um, the other night uh, in order to do a couple of things. And I think this was successful in order to, number one, 
point out to people that even though he's old, he's still capable. I think he did that. I think he, he, his energy levels were high. The speech was not a, not a. I mean, there's no such thing as a bad speech, but his presentation was proper. Just like Trump wanted to send a message, I can be presidential, so it was a success for him. Biden needed to deliver the message, I'm not dead yet, um, and it was successful for him. WPT. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Now, she was she was not the press secretary when you were chief of staff, was she not? She was. Okay, for a period could, of time, yeah. Okay, because he had uh, it was Spicer and then Sanders and, and then, then Stephanie was who there, sort yeah, of yeah. stopped the whole process of the day to day thing. Correct. Right. Uh, so there you go, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and by the way, it's Bo Thompson. Beth Troutman's off today; she'll be back tomorrow. Mick Mulvaney here on Monday, as usual, catching up on a number of things that have happened since the last time uh, we talked to you on this show, namely the State of the Union and now the State of the Union Republican response. thought you did a really nice job the other night. You know, you and I didn't talk about this beforehand, but that clip is the thing that jumped out at me um, when I saw the speech. I'm like, that... That, that's a $100,000 line. That's the kind of line that, that's what should resonate with people. It's no longer about left or right. It's about crazy versus normal, okay? It's, it's four seconds. You can say it. It speaks volumes. It is a fabulous line. Politicians can go their whole career and not have a line as good as that one. And she did a great job delivering it. I don't think she's running in 2024. In fact, I'm fairly certain she's probably not. But she certainly is positioning herself to be part of the future of the Republican Party, and you don't know what 2028 or 2032 looks like. She's a young woman. I think she's in her late 30s, early 40s. I don't know exactly how old Sarah is. Um, but, no, that was I, – I, I thought – people ask me, who are the big winners on uh, Tuesday night? Joe Biden was a winner because, again, he proved he could still give a speech and was not incompetent and had high energy. He was a winner. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was the other big winner that night. Uh, and the losers – were folks who want to run against um, uh, Joe Biden in a Democrat primary because it's looking more and more like the pendulum is swinging now towards, you know, there not being a lot of opposition um, to, uh, to to Biden. And then all the Republicans who want to run against Biden because he's looking stronger as well. Actually, it's more specifically Trump, because um, I don't think Trump can beat Biden, but that's another story. Anyway, I thought her speech was excellent. It positions her well. That is it. By the way, that slot is cursed. It just is. I mean, you remember Marco Rubio having to drink water in the middle of it, Joe mm-hmm. Kennedy having spit in the corner of his mouth. I mean, th- th- there's been a long history of people in that rebuttal position sort of cratering. Uh, who was the guy from um, Mississippi or Alabama? Bobby Jindal. His, his political career ended over that speech effectively. So, um, so, no, she did a great job under tough circumstances, and I was glad to see it. Well, my reaction, very much the same as yours. I used two numbers, uh, 20, 28, 2032. Obviously, she's not going to be in the mix of this time around. And I think who we're, we're going to talk about who is uh, as far as female candidates go in a moment. But uh, I thought that was a very quiet beginning, possibly, to what could be a very successful campaign down the road. I think she uh, she she started watering the root, the plants the other night. And I think maybe I think you can't know how it's going to resonate and extend until years down the road. Uh, I'll say this, though. I told Beth the day uh, the day after uh, you talked about the part of the speech that you thought was the best and, and, and the line. To me, the fact that she 
in her speech worked in some semblance of the phrase new new uh, new leadership. That echoes the same thing that Nikki Haley's out there saying right now. And while Nikki Haley was a Trump ally but then broke with Trump at one point, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is where she is because of Trump. Now, I'm not saying that, 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 that she would not have gotten there without Trump, but she's where she is right now at this point in the game because of that springboard, that launch pad that was being his press secretary. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that she's been more consistently pro-Trump than Haley. Haley's going sort of back and forth. Sometimes she's with him, sometimes she's against him. And everybody knows that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was Trump's press secretary, and she didn't quit over some dispute. She didn't do what I do, resigned over January 6th. She wrote it out, right? She was gone. By the way, I think she left in the summer of 2019. Well, and, and um, her job every day was to, to defend him. That's was right. defend him and echo but him. But now she's got a job that you can that you really that you, you just you want to have as somebody who wants to run for president, which is you've got a national sort of uh, exposure. People know who you are, and now you get to go run your state, um, pretty much under the under the radar. There's going to be local press that hound you every single day, but Fox News is not going to be beating up on you. CBS is not going to be beating on you. CNN is not going to be beating up on you every single day. So you get a chance to go out and prove whether or not you can do the job. So right. she is absolutely positioned in the right place at the right time. Uh, and uh, I think she'll be a very, very compelling figure in the Republican Party going forward. Nikki Haley, we got to talk about her. She's two days away from launching officially her 2024 presidential campaign uh, there in Charleston, South Carolina. And we have some Monday Mulvaney music trivia. Uh, obviously, I don't have uh, an ally today. I just have me. Uh, and you've got the music. She could have helped you today. You think? I think so. That, well, I know the answers. I know she could have helped that, you. That does not bode well for me. If she would have helped me, then I probably don't know it. <laughs> we'll see, though. Uh, 943 on WBT. Uh, Beth will be back tomorrow. Mick Mulvaney, one more segment on this Monday morning. Good morning, BT, with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. A morning in Paris, always a good idea. WBT invites you to join the uh, Isabella Santos Foundation for a morning of Parisian fashion, flowers, food, and family to benefit pediatric cancer March 7th at Carmel Country Club. Proceeds from the breakfast will uh, impact a global pedi pediatric cancer program at Levine Children's, bringing new treatments and hope to kids fighting rare cancers. Purchase your tickets today at IsabellaSantosFoundation.org. Final stretch here with Nick Mulvaney on a Monday. We're two days away from the official launch of Nikki Haley's presidential campaign. It's going to happen Wednesday in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, you know the state well. That's where you served. You know Nikki well. Um, what do you think we're going to see and hear on Wednesday? I've got a new theory on this one, by the way. Okay. Uh, and the theory originally was that you know she was going to she announced was going to announce because she had they had determined she wasn't going to be vice president. That Trump has made a decision he's going to pick a, a woman as his vice president, and she was on the list, and that somehow it got out that she wasn't on the list, and that therefore she's got nothing to lose by running against him because no one you think that Trump would never pick somebody who ran against him. He sees that as being somewhat disloyal. But then he didn't attack her, and I, and I said that. And they said, people said, well, why didn't he attack her? And I'm like, well, he didn't attack her because he usually attacks one person at a time. He goes after Ron DeSantis, and if he can get DeSantis out of the race, then he move on to the next target. That's how he's very methodical about it. But I have a new theory about Before this. Before you say that, not only did he not attack her, but she has now told the story about he called her, or she called him, and he essentially gave her the blessing to run. Exactly. There's a poll out over the weekend that shows that Ron DeSantis beats Donald Trump head-to-head. But that Donald Trump beats Ron DeSantis with Nikki Haley in the race. So I'm wondering, the cynic in me, I don't know if it's cynic, it's a politician in me, is wondering, I wonder if there isn't some sort of deal in place. 
that Trump blessed this and said, you get in the race because you're going to take away more from DeSantis. And if I end up winning, then because you did me this favor, I will make you my vice president. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Um, and be curious to see how it shakes out. I, by the way, I could be wrong on both counts because I end up overthinking these things. But uh, politics is a strange bedfellows kind of business. And uh, those types of deals are not outside the uh, bounds. Well, we know it's not going to be Mike Pence running with him. So at some point, he's going to have to, uh, and, and granted, tradition uh, has it that that doesn't happen until well into the, the, the final year. But Did you just say tradition and Donald Trump in the yeah, same sentence? Yeah, that's sentence? a good point. Yeah. Well, but last time around, he, he, he adhered to that tradition with Pence. But uh, like you say, who knows? Who and there knows? was some reporting out that, uh, that Jared Kushner and Ivanka were trying to get Nikki to replace Pence in the middle of the term. Whether or not there's any veracity to that or not, it's hard to say. I think it was out of Vanity Fair, which is wholly unreliable. But, yeah, there's a bunch of different moving pieces and parts. Like I said, the one thing you can take to the bank, by July you've probably got six or eight Republicans in the race. Anything you're hearing uh, coming out of South Carolina about what's, uh, what's going to happen? Obviously she's going to make the announcement, but how it's going to be done – it's going to be the same thing you saw on her uh, her Fox News sort of circuit that she ran uh, t two weeks ago about new generation of leadership, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, uh, that's to be expected. That's you, you hear from a lot of different folks is that it's time for a younger generation. By the way, she's right about that. I happen to absolutely agree with, with Nikki that it is time. We've got a good, solid bench of Republicans who could make good presidents. She's one of them. Um, so you ex actually, I expect to hear that because that doesn't really slam on Trump. It differentiates you from Trump. Mm -hmm. Without people, you don't have to go out and say, "Look, I, I, you don't get the." Don't, I'm not. I'm not as crazy as he is. You don't have to say that. Everybody knows you're not as crazy as he is, right? So you don't have to say it. What you can say stuff that differentiates you from him without really picking a fight. Okay, just enough time for some Monday Mulvaney music trivia. We have how many songs? Four today. Four songs. Four. You should know. I, I, it's the key is not. Not to, to the songs. Not to identify, but to identify. What do they have together? The connection. In common, yes. Okay, here we go. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I told you Beth would be helpful. <laughs> well, I know this is Tom Jones, That right? is Tom Jones. Yes. That's exactly right. If she were here, she'd be she'd very be happy with She'd be jumping and dancing. That's exactly That's right. right. All right, that's number one. Oh, we were just talking about this the other day. This is a this is a Burt Bacharach tune. Who is it? Do you know? Yeah, the Carpenters. Oh, you do know it's the Carpenters. Yes. I do, but so. so I think we're two for two on songs that Beth would approve of. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. I'm afraid of what's coming next, given well, those two. Well, now, see, I think I'm going to, unless there's going to be one that swerves me, number four, because this is uh, Naked Eyes, right? Naked Eyes. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Because, see, I talked about the Burke Bacharach connection Friday. If that's what this is. Yeah, no, I feel you. bad about not listening to the show on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, see, I should, it should have been identify the fourth song. Oh, I did you? Oh, yes. so, yeah, so I do listen to the show occasionally, as you know, because I text in. And yes. you, you actually read one of my texts last I did. week. Yes, but all four of those are Burke Bacharach songs. Now I feel tunes. awful. That's a no, no. I mean, it's. Uh, I was telling them when I came in today. That, um, you know, we, we, we talk about these people who pass away, and a lot of times then their catalog gets played for several days. In Burt Bacharach's uh, situation, it should be played for several weeks. He won People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in 1999, which, right? which means there's still hope 99? for you. 99? Yeah, there's still hope for you and me. 
Wow, yeah. I think it was the year that he came back into popularity because of the Austin Powers movie. Well, you know, since you mentioned that, uh, I'll actually give you one final thing we can leave with right here. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. What the world needs On top of the bus, as I recall. Mm -hmm. With Elizabeth Hurley, who doesn't age either. No, she doesn't. But what I like about this one is it kind of goes into his Austin Powers loungy version yeah, of this in a minute. And there's still hope for us. If Burt Bacharach can be the sexiest man alive in 1999, in 99? there's still hope for you and me. Yeah, we, we, if that's true, we have a few years to go, I think. I keep waiting for that call. Well, I don't have as many <laughs> as you do, so. Here we go. It was the naked eyes one that I thought might throw you because I didn't know that. That I had no idea that was a Burt Backright. The other ones you can they sound like Burt Backright, right? If but this had happened on Thursday and not Friday, it would have thrown me. That was at the one. I wouldn't pick that one. Yeah. I don't think most people would have. All right, Mick Mulvaney. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Talk to you next week and thanks to everybody. And yes, Beth Troutman will be back tomorrow. In fact, it's almost like she was here for this segment. Right? That we just did? Year in spirit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bowen back, back tomorrow. Vince Coakley coming up next.